Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, the smashing debut of Caden Clark. A 17-year-old's debut is the stuff dreams are made of. And the Red Bulls again triumph in a regular season game versus Atlanta. The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. Welcome, everyone. With Chef Messing, I'm Steve Cangelosi. Managers around the world love a 1-0 result. And for the third time this season, the New York Red Bulls are victorious in a 1-0 game. But the headline this time is different. When a teenager signs his first MLS contract and then hours later scores a game-winning goal in his debut, well, the story for those like us who cover the game kind of writes itself. Uh, the goal by Caden Clark, Shep, was tremendous, and it stood as the game winner. Yeah, unbelievable, Steve. And and you're right about the storyline. Look, all over the world, if you're good enough, you're old enough, right? Plenty of young players came in at that age and ended up having illustrious careers. So let's hope for the best, but for, for the first night, and, and again, you pointed it out, he only signed a contract hours before the game, so his debut, and then he gets the game winner. I want to get into his night as a whole in a moment. Let, let's start from the beginning here, because the first half of the game left a lot to be desired. Neither team was dynamic, and the Red Bulls simply didn't have a lot of the ball. There was only one five-minute interval of the first half where they had more possession but in the process of feeling out the match, they were never in danger either. And that was very important in the end. Yeah, they, they didn't give, Red Bulls didn't give anything up. Look, we all know the struggles for Atlanta United this season. Uh, I think they'll right themselves. But right now, they're, they're not playing well. So no crowd there. So the team is different, not as intimidating to go down to Atlanta and play a game right now. This might have been the last time this season that no fans would be allowed in Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, for an Atlanta United home game. Moments into the second half, everything changes. The play that a 17-year-old from Medina, Minnesota, will never forget. Davis takes the corner, gets some air onto this. Shot from long range, goal! It's Caden Clark! Oh, the kid did it! Caden Clark in his MLS debut. Oh, baby, the Red Bulls have the lead. There you go. Let's take another look at it. Let's see where Royer is when the shot is taken. Ah, so Guzam was claiming that Royer in an offside position impeded his vision, but not the case. I was monitoring the post-game coverage in Atlanta after the game. And there was a consensus that the goal should not have counted. Did VAR in the end make the right call or not? Yeah, Steve, I, I, I knew that topic would come up. And, and let me, you know, preface it all full disclosure as a former goalkeeper. Uh, look, it's all about the passive offside rule. So the letter of the law, as it reads right now, that's a good goal. Uh, here's the language. Did anyone clearly obstruct the opponent's line of vision? Danny Royer was in an offside position, but he clearly jumped out of the way, and there was a good angle behind the goal where Brad Guzan, nothing in, in, interrupted his vision. He dove to the left. Royer was out of the picture. And again, is that passive player 
actively involved in the play. No, Danny Royer wasn't. Now, the flip side of the coin to argue, Sir Alex Ferguson always said, if you're in a passive position during a game, get it off the field. I don't want you there. So the argument for defenders and me as a former goalkeeper, look, if there's a player in your side of vision, he's in the play. It affects how you position yourself, whether you're a defender or a goalkeeper. So again, letter of the law, that's a good goal. How many of our fans do you think had this flashback to the 2018 playoffs with the right Phillips goal coming off the board because Alex Muehl was ruled to block the line of sight of Brad Guzan? <laughs> well, again, it's such a subjective rule that it's subject to every referee's interpretation, even when they're assisted by VAR. So, look, letter of the law, that's a great goal. Minutes after the Red Bulls win, the reaction of Caden Clark following what he hopes is the first of many big moments in MLS. Um, I didn't believe it, and I still don't believe it. Um, you know, it's just really exciting for me. Um, it hasn't hit me yet, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it will soon. But, um, you know, it's just it's great for this team. Uh, to get this win, and I think that was the most important part. The whole team and the whole coaching staff gave me trust and confidence to going into this game, and that really helped me a lot. Um, you know, the goal, it just fell right to me, and uh, I was fortunate enough to hit it in the right spot. And, yeah, I mean, the team played great. team played great defensively. Everyone worked hard. And it was a great team win. The Red Bulls USL season is over. So Clark was signed. And Chris Lemma, by the way, who did not feature in the match, was on the game day roster. He didn't get into the game. If these kids can play, they'll get a shot with six games remaining. Beyond the goal, Clark appeared comfortable, Shep. He was credited with 21 touches, 71% passing accuracy in the game. And all of that with three training sessions under his belt with his new teammates. What did you make of his whole night? Yeah, there are a couple of points I want to make. Surely it was a great night for him, not just the goal. I thought he played extremely well. Maybe the first five, 10 or minutes, 10 minutes of the game, trying to find himself, you know, looking around, figuring out where he was. But then he felt like he fit in, Steve. He played much more maturely than, than his age would indicate. And I also liked his comments, Steve, after the game, because not just about the goal, about the way he analyzed the game. He talked about that first 45 minutes where it was choppy, there wasn't any fluidity. And then he talked about how in the second half, players were making better runs off the ball. So his, his vision of the game, I thought was very mature for a 17 year old. My fear at halftime was that he was going to be subbed out. Uh, and I really didn't put that into perspective uh, until the game was over. But let's face it, it was a, an unentertaining first 45 minutes of the game. And part of me thinks that the head coach has this mindset. OK, we've got out of that with a 0-0 draw. Let's move forward. Let's get some fresh legs on the field. And two minutes later, he changes the entire evening. Now, overall, there were eight changes to the lineup from the team that lost to Inter-Miami at home just three days earlier. That defeat was painful, losing on a late free kick goal from Gonzalo Higuain. I want you to listen to interim head coach Bradley Carnell on the feeling that carried over from that game into the trip to Atlanta. The loss last week or a couple of days ago really hurt the group. Um, and I could sense, you know, from the time we departed that 
parking lot uh, against Miami, you know, I could sense that the, there was an urgency and an energy to get back to work. Um, and I could just have a feeling, um, you know, and whether whoever played, I mean, we make a lot of changes tonight and then guys get a, uh, you know, comeback minutes in terms of uh, Mark Shetkovsky and Sean Davis and Amro Tarek. And so we can go around the horn um, with guys getting their minutes. And yeah, there was an energy in the group that you could feel that, yeah, something more special brewing tonight. Um, and then it's picture perfect. I mean, credit to, to Kevin and, and Dennis to get uh, the paperwork done in time for Caden Clark. So a really proud moment for him. A very good professional performance. Um, yeah, it was a business trip for sure, you know, because we knew the last, the last outing hurt us so bad in our building. And we knew we had to bounce back. So yeah, proud of the boys. Um, not too much time to celebrate this victory, um, but it's massive for sure. It, it feels good right now. Um, but we, again, there's a lot more work to do. It wasn't perfect. Can we build a level of consistency now? So that's $75,000 in general allocation money that was sent to Minnesota United that was well spent, I would imagine. And yes, they got it done in time for the young man to make a difference. All the difference in the world. Who knows what those three points are going to mean on November 8th? Well, how, how about Kevin Thelwell? He's thinking, I just spent $75,000 to bring in a 17-year-old and he gets a game winner. I, I think there were a few more zeros on the end of it when he was back in the, in the UK, but kudos to them to do it. As to your point about maybe him coming out at halftime, I, I didn't think so, Steve, because coaches are really stuck in the mentality. You rarely see a sub at halftime. Now, maybe in the 60th minute, he might have made a change, but surely after that goal, he wasn't. Talk about some of the other players who contributed. Uh, Mark Shatkowski and Sean Davis with their first starts since September 2nd. And Amro Tarek, long forgotten, his first minutes since a September 6th loss to Philadelphia. I saw the lineup before the game, and I said that's big responsibility for a lot of guys who just haven't played a lot. But Almost to a man, they held up pretty well. Yeah, I thought they did great. And again, it's it's this strange season, Steve, right? Guys, in terms of the break in the season, now the congestion of games. So I think right down the roster, and, and surely Bradley Carnell and other coaches all over Major League Soccer have been rotating the squad. So everybody's got to be ready. And I thought they all played well. I thought Tim Parker... He's been as sharp as I've ever seen him. We thought about this after the game as well. The clean sheet is great when you consider they did this without Aaron Long, who I think all of us would agree is still the top defender on this team and maybe a starter for the U.S. men's national team when it gets back into action. To not have him step on the field for 90 minutes, to have him fresh potentially for Aya Akinola and Toronto on Wednesday – that is a huge statement about how the others stepped up in this game. Yeah, really, we, we always talked about how do you build a team, and, and, and let's face it, this Red Bull team is, is building, and I'm sure it's going to be changing next year. But you start from the back. You'd like to see Ryan Mara uh, solidify the number one and not get hurt. I mean, injuries have been his, his Achilles heel. But that back line, whether it's Parker, Aaron Long, Kyle Duncan, Egbo, Pendant, I mean, they're good. And then who's sitting in front of the back line? I think they have multitude of players. Caceres off, but they have Shikowski. They have Sean Davis. Uh, they have players to fill in there. There, of course, had to be some drama. Let's get to Ryan there. 
Uh, he had what you'd call a very light night of work. And then in the final minutes, he needs to stand tall to preserve the win. Two minutes into second half stoppage time. He alertly comes out, snuffs out a chance by Emerson Heinemann, and then he gets a piece of the follow-up shot. It's kind of the life of a goalkeeper. It's a relatively quiet game for me, a couple crosses, nothing too crazy. And, um, you know, you just expect uh, that your number is going to be called in a big moment. You know, they were pushing numbers forward. So, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm trying to stay as mentally focused as I can and knowing that I, I might have to come up big at, at one point and, you know, I was, uh, they tried to slip one through. I don't know if it was Nealist or, or Duncan. It kind of deflected off him. And I just came racing off my line, just tried to get there before the, before the forward. Um, and we kind of got there at the same time. The ball just squirted out. And then I just uh, tried to make myself as big as possible for the second one and, and luckily uh, got a piece of it. How hard is that for a goalkeeper to have that kind of night and then you have to make the big plays at the end? I love hearing what, Ryan had to say, Steve, because I've been there. And, and let me tell you, it's much more difficult to have a game like that than to have a game when you're under constant pressure. When you're under pressure, you're in the flow of the game. But I remember many games in my career where when the game ended, I had very little to do, but I had to make one or two big plays. I was mentally and emotionally drained because you have to stay focused and locked in. And that's mentally draining. Again, I've done that, and they're almost tears at the end of the game because you've been so intensely focused without the ball being anywhere near you. So Ryan Mara contributes to a third shutout this season, two on his own and one he shared on September 12th, remember, with David Jensen in that 2-0 victory at D.C. United. But to see what the game was offering for the first 45 minutes and then... What happened in the second 45 minutes? Well, night and day. Listen to Mara's explanation and how impressed he was with his teammates. I mean, from the first minute of the second half, we did that. Um, it was one of our best halves of the season, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Caden coming in, so happy for him. Such a good kid. Um, uh, yeah, what a whirlwind it must be for him, you know, 17 years old. I don't even know what I was doing when I was 17. Um, but yeah, awesome for him, awesome for us, big win. And, uh, you know, hopefully this can, uh, you know, move us up the table. We know we got another one Wednesday and, and we'll go from there. Is he right? Was that the best 45 minutes of the season for this team? Yeah, I think it was. And, and, and Steve, what I like most about it, and, and Ryan Mara identified it, go back to the Inter-Miami game where they got the goal and then gave one right up. This time, when Caden Clark scored, they upped their tempo. They attacked. They didn't play recklessly, but they didn't step back. You can you cannot afford to step back in a game like that when you've just scored a goal. They played better after they scored. In this season where they've added a head of sport and a lot is going to change, in the season in which they have dismissed a head coach, one of the real criticisms of the Red Bull organization is that they're not churning out good young players like they used to. I just want to get a thought on that from you about whether or not that's entirely fair. When we see what Clark has done initially, we still have to find out about what Lemma can do at the MLS level. And then there's a draft pick like Jared Stroud, who continues to offer something when he gets an opportunity to play. In this game, he came off the bench to help preserve the win. Yeah, Steve, good point. And, and, and I think there was definitely a dip 
avoid in terms of Red Bull 2 and the Academy, right? Aaron Long comes through, Tyler Adams comes through, Red Bulls are being touted as the best Academy and the best, you know, second team, reserve team in the league. And then for a period of about two years, we didn't see it, but I think it's back. And you just named the players uh, that we're talking about. I just want Caden Clark to stay here and not be off to Red Bull Salzburg. I'm going to tie one other thing up here concerning Tom Barlow, uh, because a big theme of this season is how do they replace the legendary guy who scored more than 100 goals for this franchise and Bradley Wright Phillips? Uh, we actually chatted with Barlow uh, on the MSG broadcast. We hope the fans enjoyed that. And he was very respectful of the competition with Matthias Jorgensen, Brian White for playing time. But I think I've arrived at this place with Tom Barlow that they are best on the field when he's in the game. Where are you with this? I'm 100% with you. And no no offense to the other players. They're going to fight Brian White and Jorgensen. But for me, your number one striker on this team right now is Tom Barlow. I thought in the game really against Atlanta United, I thought he played extremely well. Yeah, he didn't didn't really factor into a goal, but he ran, he, he got behind the line, he tracked back, he defended, he played with his back to the goal. I thought he had a very, very good game. And unless Brian White and Jorgensen do something spectacular, for, for me, Barlow's in the starting 11. No Josie Altador for Wednesday's game at East Hartford. He's going to miss four to five weeks. That's a real blow for Toronto FC. They're going to the postseason. It's just a question of how healthy and how right they're going to be uh, when the playoffs begin. But what will it say if the Red Bulls can get another result on the road uh, on Wednesday night? We'll have the game on MSG. Yeah, I, I think it really bodes well coming off the kind of win they just had in Atlanta. So you mentioned Josie Altador. Uh, look. Toronto FC is a very good team. We all know that. Akinola has been a revelation uh, this season. They're strong in the back. Pozuela, uh, Piatti, De Leon. But I, I think you ride momentum. This is such a crazy season. I, I think Red Bull's going to be flying for this game, and let's see what they can do. Be with us when the Red Bulls take on one of the best in the East. That's a wrap here. Thanks for listening to Believe in Soccer, the Shep Messing podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.